Amen, amen, and amen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you this morning. We're grateful that God has cleared up the weather, enabled us to have our main stage and have our Creation Fest experience, and how good God is. What an experience we're having. And, um, yeah. And yet, what a year we've had, right? Uh, actually, almost, we might as well say 18 months, because it's still not over yet, right? And I, I grew up in church, and in church, um, there were certain songs and phrases that would become very familiar, and there was one line that I always remember, if we ever needed the Lord before, surely we need him now. I wonder if I can get a witness. I feel like Joel just took me to church and I might get a little bit Pentecostal on you this morning, but I feel like I'm in good company. Is that all right? If we ever needed the Lord before, surely we need him now. Amen. And the reality is that there are so many of us and yet so many others in our communities, in our towns and cities, across this country, and even across the globe right now, who are in need of hope. I work for an organization called London City Mission, and we have a focus on reaching London with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because London needs Jesus. And we work with local churches together to reach the least reached in the communities of London. And there are so many stories that we've been receiving, and yet one of the things we've become aware of and we began to share publicly in a campaign was what's being called the, the iceberg of the economic pandemic. You see, things have not just been difficult in terms of health, but at least in London, and I'm sure it's the same across the country, they've seen a doubling in the amount of people claiming universal credit. It's actually doubled during the course of the pandemic. One in three low-income families have increased their spending during the pandemic. These are the people who have got no money anyway. And yet the children are at home longer and they're having to find more food and things to do, etc., etc. And they're having to spend more of what they don't have. People are in need of hope. And so we talk about hope. This word is being used throughout this weekend. What is hope, really? You see, the Bible uses the word hope in a, in a different way to how we use hope generally. I had a conversation with someone, and they said to me, you know, uh, life could be better. I hope to win the lottery one day. And I was like, oh, okay, so how many times a week do you play then? Oh, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day I will, and now I might win. I hope so. 
And sometimes that's very often how we use the word hope. Hope in the sense of wishful thinking. But the Bible uses the word hope in a different sense. And I pray that you're encouraged as we begin to consider this today. You see, in the Bible, it it says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. So we see the relationship between faith and hope and that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. So hope is built on faith. Hope has confidence that something is actually going to happen because we have faith. Do you have faith today? Do you have a confident expectation that things will be better? Do you have a... a com- uh, I was listening to the, uh, the, the Bishop of Truro as he shared in the, the leaders gathering yesterday. Um, Philip Mount Stephen, I believe. And I was really inspired by the phrase that he used when he spoke about hope. He simply said, hope, I see hope as better beyond. Better beyond now. And how we need that, right? But we're not going to find it in the places where everybody else is looking for hope. Because hope is built on faith. And faith is derived from where? Or should I say who? Jesus. Wasn't a trick question. Hope is built on faith. And yet faith comes from Jesus. Jesus is called the the author and finisher or the instigator and completer of our faith. Now, why would we as Christians have that confidence that Jesus equals hope? That he gives us the confident expectation of better beyond. Why? Well, that's what we're going to consider today as we look at Mark chapter 5. And so if you have a Bible, I see that many of you do. And um, also those that I can't see, I'm sure, are on apps, devices. Praise God for the convenience of technology. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 5. And I'm going to read some verses from Mark 5 so that if there's nothing else that you hear from me today, you've heard the word of God read. And as we do, let me just share with you the introduction to the book of Mark. Mark was not pulling any punches. Mark was not making any pretense about what his intention was in writing his gospel. He made it absolutely clear, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began. It's kind of like the once upon a time introduction to a story, but exposing the identity of the main character right from the beginning. No big reveal. Right up front, 
Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And in their understanding, they would have got the sense of what that actually meant. That God took on human form and came and lived among us. And so as we look at Mark 5, knowing that that's Mark's intention, let's see how he then goes on to justify that statement. And that's what he does throughout the rest of the gospel, justifies that statement. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. I didn't say that right, but that's okay. I'm from South London, and you're very gracious. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. The evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus, please come to our towns. Please come to our homes. Please. No. The crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. 
And Jesus was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed by the demon begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. And so we see here a situation which sounds like a, a scene from a Quentin Tarantino movie. This man who's living in the graveyard. Now, you would think anyone who would choose to live in a graveyard is probably lost their grip on reality. How many of us even like walking through graveyards? And yet he wasn't just living in the graveyard, he was maniacal, he was uncontrollable. He could not be controlled by others and he could not control himself. And yet as Jesus came, he saw hope. Hope isn't just a thing, it's a person. And he recognized Jesus and he ran toward Jesus. <laughs> and at that point in the story, I thought to myself, Jesus really was the son of God. Because we don't read that Jesus backed up quickly looking for the nearest fire exit, how to escape from this maniacal man running towards him. He stood his ground, and as the man ran towards him, he bowed low before him, and he begged for his need to be met. See, Jesus came and provided hope to a hopeless man. No one could help him. No one, as much as they tried, Nothing could help him. Shackles, chains, none of them helped to subdue this man. And yet, with a word, Jesus changed and transformed him. I mentioned that I, I work at London City Mission, and some of you may have passed the stand in the big shed there. And we're often sharing stories of how Jesus is bringing hope to people today. You see, from my point of view, it's important that we have a connection, not just with the stories of Scripture, as if there are some folk legend that we are, you know, sitting around the fire. Well, there's no fire out here apart from heaven. And, you know, we're just enjoying these great stories that give us a little bit of wisdom, but we go and deal with the reality of our life. Jesus is still giving hope. And in London, after a recent survey a few years ago, it was discovered that about one in three people are living lives without the hope of Jesus, without the opportunity for the hope of Jesus. Because they don't have a Christian friend or family member 
to introduce them to Jesus. Now, in numerical terms, that's about three million people. Three million people in London don't have a Christian friend or family member to introduce them to Jesus. And I was astounded when I first heard that statistic because, I mean, the gospel in this country, God has done such great things. And what a rich history. I mean, even London City Mission has been around for 186 years and been working with the least reached throughout the city throughout that time and rich history. And there's so many other mission organizations and the work of the church. And, and yet, three million people in London. I was like, Lord, how did we get here? And yet, these are people who are in need of hope. And Jesus is still bringing hope today. And yet when hope comes, he, because remember, hope is a person, not just a thing. Hope is Jesus. He is unexpected. Jesus went to this area that was outside of his region. He went to an area where they were non-Jews. He had just spoken to the wind and the waves on the Sea of Galilee and calmed the storm and demonstrated his authority over nature and over the elements. And yet, in the wisdom of the Messiah, he purposed to go to this, what was stated as the other side. That was a place where Jews didn't go. It was the other side. And yet he knew that there was a person in need there on the other side. And you may feel like you're on the other side and out of sight and out of reach, but God knows where you are. God knows where you are. And he has an appointment. Sometimes we use the phrase, a divine appointment of destiny. The question is, will you meet him there? He's unexpected. Comes at a time when you don't expect. To a place that you don't expect. Nobody enjoys being hopeless, right? Is there anyone who, who enjoys feeling hopeless? We try and avoid that feeling. We are trying to avoid circumstances that cause us to feel hopeless. And... It's unfortunate, but it's a reality that hope is needed at the time when we most wouldn't want to be in that situation. When we wouldn't want to be in that situation where we need hope. And yet as unexpected as Jesus' Jesus's arrival was, as unexpected to that community who had been wrestling with this individual, a social outcast. If there were such things as asbos, he probably would have had a, a list as long as my arm and leg. And sometimes we look at our situations and we look at our communities and we feel like this is a hopeless situation. What are, the, what are the council going to do for our young people? What is the government going to do for the jobless? When are, when are these seasonal tourists going to learn to respect our homes and our towns? 
And you might feel hopeless, but hope is here. When hope comes, he is respected. This man who was full of demons cried out, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High? You see, even the demons recognize the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus has just spoken to the elements and they obeyed his authority. And yet even the dark cosmic powers obey the authority of Jesus the Most High. Where I come from, we have this phrase, real recognize real. <laughs> and they recognize the reality of Jesus's, like these demons were, as we would say, I don't know how you're going to cope with this, on a madness. The demons were on a madness. <laughs> I have to consider the uh, interpreters. <laughs> They were terrorizing the man in the neighborhood. They were uncontrollable. They were having their way. Who could talk to him as a, a man possessed with numerous demonic spirits? No one could tell him anything. He was doing whatever he wanted. And yet it wasn't even whatever he wanted. It was whatever these spirits controlling him wanted. And yet... They didn't have complete freedom and liberty because they had to respect the authority of Jesus the Most High. And I can tell you something, there is no situation that you're in, there is no circumstance that you're in that every situation and circumstance that we face is subject to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. It must obey his authority. It must bow in respect to the most high God. And yet, he's not only respected, even as he was in the life of our dear brother, Pavel. Pavel had come from Eastern Europe and he was working and he lost his job and he fell on hard times. And he was a, a skilled individual who had capabilities but no opportunities. And he felt suicidal and you can learn more about his story on, the, on our website at lcm.org.uk. He was suicidal and then he went to our day center at, at Webber Street in South London and he met with people who not only gave him food and a shower and clothing, but they also gave him the hope of Jesus Christ. And he gave his life to Jesus. And Jesus so transformed his life that he was able to go on to find work and to provide for his family. And have that lovely smile on his face that we see here. But unfortunately... Too often people reject Jesus. Jesus had done this great work in this man's life so clearly and evidently. And what was the response of the community? First of all, it was curiosity. What's going on here? 
to express interest in Jesus, to have curiosity about the things of God, to call ourselves spiritual, to feel enlightened, doesn't make us right with God. These people saw miraculous power manifest before them. These people saw Jesus speak the word of power and bring deliverance to this possessed man. But their curiosity, their interest wasn't enough. And they still went on to do what? To reject Jesus. Just when you would think they wouldn't want him to leave, they're kicking him out of town. And so those of us who know Jesus, we're like, why would that be the case? And yet maybe we've kind of forgotten that time when we were in that place when we had our own agenda. And we didn't want Jesus to mess up our plans. You know, I know speaking to people when I'm out doing street ministry and they're like, you know, I'll accept Jesus a bit later on in life. After I've, you know, gone out there and had my fun and I've made my money and I've done all the illicit things that I want to do because, you know, I'm not trying to walk in a straight line to get ahead. You know, you, 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 you got to, you know, get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and forget the rest. And so people have their agendas. You know, when I'm old uh, and I'm nearer like my demise, as if anybody has promised tomorrow, I'll give my life to Jesus. And these people had their agendas. I mean, they're pigs. All went off the cliff. 2,000 now. We're in an area of farmers. 2,000 pigs sounds like a lot, right? That sounds like money going off the cliff. And maybe they weren't trying to lose no more money. And maybe you kind of feel like that today, like, you know what? I'm in a tight spot and I've got some decisions to make and I might need to cut a few corners and bend a few rules in order to, you know, get ahead. But if I really surrender to Jesus in the way that I know I ought to, that's going to mess up the plan. And yet every day we delay is a day wasted, not a day gained. To put your hope in your own efforts is futile because we always end up back at that hopeless place because we are broken. We have an infectious disease, and I don't mean COVID. It's called sin, and it's sin within us that causes us to reject Jesus. It's sin that causes people to think that their idea of life and their agenda is better than God's. But no. Even though they told Jesus to leave, what was the response of the man who had been delivered? The man who had been, been delivered... Real recognized real. He had been really changed. And he knew that Jesus alone was the source of that change and that transformation. He had received newness and hope and a future. And he was like, Jesus, let me come with you. And when hope comes, that's the response of the willing heart. Jesus, I don't really know you too tough. 
I don't know you too well. I, I, I've, I've heard about you and I've just seen what you've done in my heart. It's like when Brian stood in front of that collage of scripture verses that made a picture of Jesus and he looked at the words, let not your heart be troubled. And something happened in his heart and something lifted off his shoulders and there was a relief that Jesus brought. And in that moment, the response is, let me follow you, Jesus. And that's got to be our response daily, right? And it's a struggle even for those of us who are Christians. We find ourselves repeatedly in places when we are tempted to turn away from the Lord's agenda. And yet, Jesus has called us to follow him. And it, it was right. <laughs> it, was, it was reasonable. It was wonderful that this man recognized Jesus and respected him and, and wanted to follow him. This unlikely suspect. Tareen is a lady whose identity has been concealed for her safety reasons. And she is a, a former Muslim. And she came to a church food bank. And she, she was bereft, unable to feed her children. And she received food and she received the good news of hope in Jesus. And having received that hope, she received Jesus and she embraced Jesus and she, she said, I'm not going to follow Islam, I'm going to follow Jesus. And we, we think to ourselves, Muslims are so hard to reach, they're so far over the other side. And yet, the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me can actually reach people who are so far out of reach, those who are least reached if we'll let him. And so, the call today is, just like Jesus' words to the man, not only should you look for me, even in those unexpected moments, not only should you recognize and respect that I have the power to bring that hope everlasting. Not only should you accept me rather than reject me, but now go and promote me. Jesus commissioned this man to go as his spokesman in this Gentile, non-Jewish area. Jesus wasn't going to be going there. He made it clear that at this season, in this time, my mission is first to the house of Israel. And yet he commissioned this man to go as his witness and testify in those far-flung regions church, the Lord is calling us to go and testify of Jesus, even in the far-flung regions amongst the least reached. Will you rise to that call today? Will you support those who do? Anne came to faith on a housing estate in Vauxhall. And in her own words, she tells people about Jesus everywhere she goes. 
She is a contagious evangelist. And in all of this, we recognize that when hope comes, he changes everything. He changes everything just as he did in the life of this demonic man. Just as he's done in my life, just as he's done in the lives of so many that have come up. This is the hope that we have. Hope is only found in Jesus Christ. Last night I said it and I'll say it again. When everything else has been stripped away, where does your hope lie? Our hope is not in a thing or an idea. It's in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. I'm going to call the band to come up. You may be here today and you came to the festival, it was free, and there's not much else going on in life right now. You're tired of Netflix, you're all zoomed out, and you felt, I'm going to get out among real people, 3D, and have some social interaction, and listen to some music, and you may not really be familiar with Creation Fest. And yet, I recognize that God intended for you to be here. This is not by accident. This is a divine appointment. And God is offering hope. Even to those of us who know the Lord and we've been walking with the Lord and we've been through this last 18 months and we've struggled. And we've felt the, the isolation of isolation. And yet, God is saying, hearts are ready. Hearts are primed. Let's rise up. Let's go forth and speak out and share the hope of Jesus. Let's rally together. And that doesn't mean you have to give up your job. Some of you, God may be calling you to do that. But on the job, supporting those who have given, their, given up their jobs, but let's be intentional and committed about sharing the hope of Christ. Because he is the only hope. When God raised Jesus from the grave, he rubber stamped his guarantee that Jesus makes everything all right. He's our only hope. Lord, I pray that you would continue to reveal yourself throughout this weekend. Continue to show yourself strong. Lord, I ask that you would, you would bring freedom and relief where people are feeling harassed and oppressed and downcast. Lord, I pray that you would bring newness where there's hopelessness. I pray, Lord, that you would come and sweep into our lives, Lord, and by your power and authority, you would bring change and transformation. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Because when you come, you change everything as our hope. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen.